0: welcome to the Crescent Podcast. I'm Leanne. This podcast is an extension of my personal philosophy and commitment to continual growth in all areas of life. I firmly believe that optimal health comes from addressing all areas of us as human beings, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Through expert interviews, I hope to both inspire and enable you to create sustained change in your own life. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome back to the Crescent Podcast. I'm your host, Leanne, and today I have a wonderful interview with Katie Bromlett, the founder of WeShape, which is a company looking to help women stop focusing on the scale and rather put their energy and efforts towards a more meaningful intention, finding more inner knowing and balance with with themselves, looking at exercise and movement and rest completely differently. And this was such an expansive interview with Katie because we're talking about toxic weight loss culture and toxic diet culture and things like the fake fulfillment we can often get from killing ourselves in the gym or from denying ourselves certain food groups. And what might some of the deeper subconscious yearnings be when we're pursuing these things how wellness is so multifaceted but how that's not often communicated from traditional and conventional fitness industries it's very much about it almost becomes like a fitness dogma it becomes about being disciplined and if you're not achieving results then you're doing something wrong or you're lazy you're not disciplined enough and We talk about how corrosive that can be as well as how shame can be so corrosive. Each of us shares a little bit of our own journey and evolution with our outlook on fitness and wellness, health in general. I think this is gonna be such an expansive interview. I hope you all enjoy it so, so much. As always, Katie's information, WeShape's information will be linked in the show notes below so you can reach out follow them find more information if anything is resonating so with that please enjoy this interview with Katie Bromlet okay well Katie welcome thank you to the crescent there's so much. I, I We were talking even before I hit record. There's so many places that we can go with this conversation. Yeah. And I'm so excited because I think there's a lot of alignment. And as I'm sure you know, there's not a lot of conversations around fitness coming at it from the lenses that I think we're going to come at it today. Yeah. But before we get into all of that <laughs> and get carried away with the excitement, yeah, just give us a little bit of your background who are you? A little bit of We Shape and maybe the progression of how you got there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I have a company called We Shape. My co founder and I started that company a few years ago. Before that, we had um, a different fitness company that was rooted in very different intentions and pillars. Um, that company did really well. We made the Inc. 500 three times, we um, successfully scaled that company, and I just I still didn't feel right inside and I couldn't understand why mm-hmm. and I and I've told a number of people that it was sort of like you know I felt like I had this Instagram life that you know looked great and everything that I thought that I wanted had really been checked off but something just still didn't feel, like, all the way aligned. Mm-hmm. And so as I started just to kind of, like, crack that door and better understand, like, what's not feeling aligned here, I just got taken down a very different path.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it wasn't, like, a... It wasn't even clear initially what was unaligned. No. It was kind of just like, oh, I've got this feeling. What yes. What is it? And that sent you on a whole journey. Yeah, okay.
1: I feel like, you know, I've lived a lot of my life through the lens of, like, what I should do.
0: Mm-hmm. And...
1: um. <laughs> even down to the degree that I got. And it wasn't like I even had, like, overly uh, invasive parents who were like, you have to do this. They were actually pretty open, but I think I just really, you know, was a natural-born people-pleaser and, uh, you know, nurturer and all the things that a lot of fe- people who identify as female, you know, fill that role. And so mm-hmm. it wasn't like a particular message, but it was the collective whole message of what I felt like I should be doing with my life. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I just didn't listen to myself along the way. And I feel so much gratitude because I do feel like there, there still was that little voice inside. And I just feel grateful that I was, you know, still trying to tune in as much as I could, even though the volume was pretty low.
0: Yeah. Well, say more to that. I think especially because what I am so curious to hear is it sounds like it was a pretty big pivot you oh it was huge
1: i shut down the other company yeah. <laughs> we took huge financial risk in what we we're doing to the point where like financial advisors like we don't advise this mm-hmm. and i was like oh i've never felt better how funny yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the other company there was no financial woes and then i went into this going wow this is huge financial risk i even mm-hmm. sold i had this home that i had owned that was this sweet precious beach house that had been in my family for years um, it was like my retreat. It was where I hosted people. We would, rec- we would, you know, record content there. And I told our financial advisor, like, I'm going to sell this so that I can keep the startup going. And he was like, I do not advise you doing that. And I was like, I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. And so there's just been a lot of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still like, I deeply struggle with that. I, I, you know, I always use this analogy of like, there's two internal di- dials you know, the you and Mm -hmm. then the outside. Mm -hmm. And I feel like by the time I got to adulthood, the inside was like a one and the outside was like a 10. Yeah. And I'm still calibrating those. And it's just, it's just a journey. And it's Mm -hmm. a journey of self-trust and learning what that means. Because I think uh, for me, I can speak personally. Like I just feel like I've always done a really good job of trusting others and uh, not really the best job of trusting myself (laughs) and what I need. Yeah.
0: Right. Yes. I mean, I can, I resonate with, this so deeply and truly the last year of my life has been a massive massive up level on the Mm -hmm. trust yeah yeah because I realized holy shit like I'm betraying myself on a daily basis yes in little ways like in really simple ways which we can you know get into as we get go on but I realized on that thread that I don't have trust in myself because i've been actually subconsciously unintentionally wounding myself in the Mm. same way as i was wounded as a kid Mm -hmm. so i'm like mirroring the way i was treated yes (laughs) to myself but it's a journey of actually rebuilding that trust like it doesn't just turn on instantly we've got to rebuild that trust by kind of continually showing up for ourselves continually caring for ourselves and sometimes that's in like a really basic level like for me it sounds so silly Like, I I wouldn't eat three meals a day. i just get distracted and i go about my day and I'm working. And and I started to reframe it of like, if I had a three-year-old that I was responsible for, would I ever let them go without all three meals? No. And so why am I not treating myself with that same level of care? So all that said, Yeah. yeah, relearning the trust within ourselves. But I think from it sounds like kind of the jumping off the cliff that you did a little bit with this pivot, that's like a huge thing. Did you feel sort of reinvigorated again?
1: Like- well, I do feel like the universe was like, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this and we're going to we're going to slowly progress into how this is going to unfold. So it wasn't like one day I had this revelation and then the next day I was jumping off the cliff. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was more <laughs> like okay, we want to we wanted I I was like I want to create a better product. Mm-hmm. And my co-founder was like I would love to do that. Like I want to create a product that's like super customizable that's rooted in movement and not all these mm-hmm. fat exercises. So we had a lot of alignment in sort of the product offering that we wanted to had to, we wanted to offer rather. And I think that You know, it wasn't something as sexy as we were selling before, like use this product to get toned abs. Our product was literally rooted in like customize a workout for yourself at home but these things are going to be rooted in balance and coordination and movement and strength and flexibility. Mm -hmm. So it was like we were shifting the whole mentality of how we look through the lens of exercise. And I didn't know if people would really want to buy that, but I knew it was the right thing to do for the humans who were buying the product. So Mm -hmm. I said, well, let's just trust that and go with it. So our product took two years to build actually um because it was a it's a technology driven product so even that alone felt scary I was like will people even want to buy this because I'm not selling them something sexy I'm asking them to like learn how to move better in their body and sustain exercise for the long haul and what we know about the fitness industry is that exercise is often sold to us like they're selling a promise Mm -hmm. and we buy the we buy the promise and (laughs) I know that because I used to run a business like that yeah it's profitable way to run a company is sell something that promises a certain body for somebody and that will likely be the reason why they do it or promise weight loss and when we were making this pivot I did have people in my industry tell me look like this looks like an incredible product and you probably won't be able to sell it and I thought oh no and then there was just something inside that said, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. someone will want this just keep going and then so that kind of naturally unfolded and then along the way I started waking up to some of my, you know, it's like I like to pretend that my personal life is here and my business (laughs) is here. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) So, um, you know, I started, you know, evaluating some of my own beliefs in my own life and like why I was doing some of the things that I was doing and sort of the channels that I was subscribing to, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better way to describe Mm -hmm. it. And that's when I started to wake up to sort of this toxic diet culture that was around us. Um, I was participating in like, quote unquote, healthy eating. Um, and so I was masking, uh, behaviors around food that were labeled wellness. Mm -hmm. Um, but really it was just full of criticism and judgment and shame. And, uh, you know, it, it was, if I'm doing this, then I'm going to be healthier. And it was just like a really poor relationship with food Mm -hmm. that I realized was just being masked as wellness. So then I was getting praised for it. So it was like really confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so kind of through that journey, I realized, oh my gosh, like, I need to wake up, like not only in the exercise space, but mm. also in the the diet culture space. Like this is all intertwined. Yeah. People don't come to me and don't talk about the the diet side, um, and or the dieting side. And so I was like, this is really messed up. Once I started, sort of like, you know, I just cracked the door, and then all of a sudden the door was just slammed open. Yeah. That part <laughs> felt like jumping off a cliff. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: because it's it's like whoa, I have so much to reframe. Holy cow, this foundation that felt so stable and sturdy for me that I've kind of been basing all these ideas off on is now kind of moving underneath my feet whoa absolutely what do I rebuild on
1: yeah and I think that um what was like just so interesting about that was just that there was actually a lot of embarrassment and shame around like oh my gosh I cannot I now that I know this and now I see what I was participating in in the past where I was telling people to eat certain diets I was like oh my gosh I'm not going to be able to like survive this Mm. embarrassment and shame and then I thought well that's the I think of shame as the emotion that really gets people stuck
0: a hundred percent and I was
1: like you can't get stuck like Mm -hmm. use this as an opportunity you went through that for a reason Mm -hmm. and when you know better you do better and so yeah I've just been sort of on this mission to bring people together and say look like this is so like you don't need to Look a certain way or uh, have a certain body type, and just sort of like educating myself and then offering the education that I'm learning to other people so that we can kind of look at how we view our body and wellness in a different light.
0: Mm -hmm. One of the things that you were talking about before I was listening to one of your other interviews is you didn't even enjoy movement until maybe within three years or so ago. Can you say more to that? And I love one of the things you said, which is. We really we call it movement rather than exercise or working out, and I, I I can share my journey with this too. But I'd love to start with you. And yeah, when when did you start enjoying movement? What about what did you shift that suddenly it became something enjoyable? And maybe what was it like before for you?
1: Yeah, I mean before it was like, oh, I'm gonna exercise tomorrow because I ate a piece of cake. Uh, before it was like more punishment and like no pain, no gain and mm-hmm. how hard can you push yourself. Uh, before it was a lot of, oh, you missed your workout and so like inner critic judgment up for days. Um, just really toxic, like not really healthy for me mm-hmm. um, psychologically, emotionally so or even really physically. Um, and when I really started to reframe like how we look through the lens of exercise and how we look through the lens of uh, diet culture, I went, oh, like – there's a completely different path that I can go down. And me trying to quote unquote motivate myself to do something uh, as a means of trying to get something that I think will make me happy, which is like this body type or a number on the scale, sort of allowed me to realize that, Actually, if you, you know, show up for yourself and learn how to turn that inner dial up, learn how to cultivate better self-worth, learn mm-hmm. how to turn the inner critic down, learn how to connect with yourself in a deeper way, you won't have to motivate anything. You'll want to take care of yourself. Yes. And so then I just started finding pleasure and joy in moving, going on hikes with friends, doing our workout product, like whatever it might be. It was like, I want to do this. I want to move my body. And so yeah. I really f- haven't really... F- and then and then if I'm, if I'm, quote unquote, miss my workout, I get to just sort of be okay with that now. And I'm like, I even had someone join a call recently where they're like, oh, I haven't used... Because uh, we have like daily support calls where we all get on Zoom together, mm-hmm. and um, someone in the community had said like, "Oh, I haven't done my workout in a couple of weeks. I don't know if I, could, you know, should come to the call." I'm like, Aww. "Oh, so you, so you're a human, <laughs> and you just got busy, and life just got in the way, and mm-hmm. like, I'm like, trust me when I say I've been through this, and you will not guilt and shame yourself into doing that workout. Mm-hmm. So offering yourself kindness and gratitude, you're here on the call right now. You're showing up in community." You can try again another time. Like just reframing what happens when we don't work out, also, was yeah. really big for me.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. So many things I want to point out there. One, coming back to how I was saying, sometimes we're treating ourselves the way we were treated as kids. And one of those things that I think a lot of us grew up with is we get taught either explicitly or implicitly conditional love. Yes. Our parents are our caretakers or our teachers. It was very much like only when we did the right thing did we receive some kind of validation, affirmation, display of love. And we don't realize that so many of us, I think, are treating ourselves the same way. Mm. And you gave a perfect example of I miss a workout, and maybe I'm going down this negative internal dialogue. I'm berating myself for doing that. And what is that? That's conditional love towards ourselves. Yeah. I didn't meet this thing. and unless I meet this thing, I'm withholding love. In fact, I'm maybe even hurting myself, shaming myself, demeaning myself. And I think that's such a big piece here is is, yeah, starting to uncouple those things a little bit. I'll speak to my kind of relationship with movement and exercise and working out because I was a college soccer player, you know, played. D2 soccer got recruited went abroad to Spain to play. Oh wow. And so like a high level of activity was just a part of my life for so long. And when I came back from Spain, really what it was was injury that forced mm. me to calm things down. Yeah. And that break from intense exercise I was like, "Whoa. I've actually never felt so good." <laughs> <laughs> Weird. And I would say like, you know, in the thick of my athletic endeavors, I had whatever, quote unquote, a decent body. But when I actually slowed down and started doing movement that felt good, that felt within my capacity, I had the best body I ever had in my life. And Mm. I was not even trying. Like I wasn't even thinking about it. And again, I know we're not talking about getting the right body here. But and I think we I heard you say this on another interview that almost sometimes can just come naturally like it can come with so much more ease but i think for me what i realized is i wanted to be healthy quote unquote and i thought i just had these beliefs that this is what you have to do to be healthy you have Mm -hmm. to kill yourself every day with exercise and and yeah eat a certain diet and restrict certain things and be really conscious of all these things and so When I almost accidentally stumbled upon this realization of, whoa, I haven't done all those hard things, but I feel better Mm. mentally, physically, emotionally. It kind of like broke that limiting belief in my own mind to just prove to me like, no, there's other ways to achieve quote unquote health.
1: I mean, I think you're speaking to something really important that I talk about a lot, which is this idea that like the, it's like the way that we're raised in our culture around exercise is to tune into your mind and do what it says. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's really not to tune into the body. And I think that um, oftentimes people get injured or they burn out or, and I, and I, I really have, can't say this enough that I just, if people do one thing, it's like learning how to tune into your body is it has we don't we're not taught to do that mm-hmm. and i think that the body has such infinite wisdom and if we just allow the like pathway from the mind to the body to connect and to not always be in our own mind and i know that's so much easier said mm-hmm. than done i'm yeah. guilty of this every day but I think that that's even like an amazing starting space. Like my body feels tired. Okay, so that does not mean you push through the workout. Mm-hmm. My shoulder's hurting. Okay, that does not mean you keep going, mm-hmm. right? It's like I feel like we're trained to like you didn't do it good enough unless you just like did one, two, three. It's like what well, what point do we say no? The, the infinite wisdom of my body can also decide what feels good for me. And yeah. so when people come to our community and they're like, oh, how often should I work out? I'm like, I don't know. What do you think? Like, <laughs> like, and people are so shocked by that. Yes. They're always waiting for me to give them a plan. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you're in charge of the plan. Mm-hmm. And I know that's really foreign and that's really confusing, but it's only because we've been conditioned in a culture that tells us your infinite wisdom inside is not what's valid. The out, we know what's best for you, whoever mm-hmm. that may be, community, parents, you know, they even therapists. Like the, there has to come a point. I've even had experiences in my own life where I've had to say oh a therapist told me something but that doesn't feel true for me uh-huh. inside what do I do mm-hmm like, that is really intense to have to, like, say, I guess I'm not going to believe that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I I feel like just that connection and understanding that a lot of us are conditioned to just be so in the mind when it comes to exercise. And we often completely ignore the messages our body is telling us.
0: Oh, my gosh. One thousand percent. And I think that's so multifaceted. Number one, I think we're kind of living in an era of expert culture yeah. where there's underlying sentiment. And look, not to say that experts can't share wonderful advice. But sometimes there's an underlying sentiment of trust the expert at the expense of yourself. If there's a conflict, like fall on their side, not on yours. Yeah. And trust the expert at all costs. Um, And then kind of binary thinking of yeah. just there is one right way. Yeah. There is one best diet. There is one best form of exercise rather than... No, we're so bio-individual, the right diet for me, you know, nutrition, the right nutrition for me could be completely different than it is for you. Same thing. And I think even the next layer of this is the right nutrition and movement and emotional support for me right now could be totally different than it is for me five years from now. And I think this is where really to your point, the more we can actually tune into ourselves, what do I need? What is resonating? What's not resonating? What feels good? What doesn't feel good? Yeah. Um, But we're kind of hitting on that deeper topic again of we don't know how to trust that. We may not even know how to tune into that. We might be so disconnected from the signals of our mind and body because I think there's so many different messaging that's kind of training us to ignore them. Yeah. In a variety of ways. So I love that, though, because you're kind of you're you're, like, recreating that for people. You're helping them learn to tune in and trust that. Yeah, and we tell people all the time because they'll be like, oh, I don't know if
1: I got the best workout because I basically wasn't throwing up. And right. I'm like, well, um, you know, you're learning how to move in your body and we're helping you build balance, coordination, strength, flexibility. These are su- sustainable, like, Fundamental biomechanics that the body needs to like learn how to do for the long haul this is Mm -hmm. not about how many calories you burn this is about connecting with your body in a different way that maybe we haven't learned yet right and so you know I I think that and I think it can be challenging like I I am so guilty of being really just only in my mind and not really tuning into my body Mm -hmm. and um, one of the ways I was able to really sort of start tapping into that was through um, some different body work practices so uh, like through some somatic body work, yes, and I'm not sure somatics. if you've heard of like network spinal analysis.
0: No, that's new for me. Okay. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna um, write that down. yeah, that's a good one. Um, it's um, it, it, mm. it, all of these practices sort of allowed me to start, you know, speeding up that process around learning how to tune in with my body but I mean I feel like we can even just do that by simply pausing and asking and I think that it just takes practice Mm -hmm. but I do think the body is really wanting to tell us things and I think that we often just ignore them because they're not aligned with what the outside is telling us totally
0: well if my body's saying I cannot do another hard workout but I feel like I need to for whatever reason yeah we're gonna shut that down we're not gonna tune to it Two things I want to add to this. One, I had a practice for a really long time where at the start of every morning, I just write these two questions. What is my body telling me it needs today? Mm. And what is my spirit telling me it needs today? And I would really let that inform what is my day going to look like? Because for me, I the way that I frame it out in my mind is I kind of have these baseline categories that I want mm. to make sure I'm hitting every day nutrition, hydration, movement, sunshine, emotional support. Like it's those five things. But I keep it really broad. Mm. Am I going to give myself at least 20 minutes of movement today? And it could be anything. If I wake up and my body is like, I am depleted, it might look like a 20 minute walk around the block. Yeah. It might look like 10 minutes on my vibration plate. Yeah. If I wake up and I'm like, oh god, I'm so energized. I can't wait. Maybe I do a harder weightlifting session. So I found that just giving myself the categories and then tuning in every day allowed me to really do the thing that's going to serve me the most. Yeah. Because I think that's the other piece is when we get stuck in one way of doing something, it can actually be very counterproductive, Yeah, which I think we've all seen before, where, for example, I'm killing myself with hard workouts, but that's, But maybe I've got underlying hormone issues. Mm. Maybe I've got a dysregulated nervous system. And these intense workouts are exacerbating all of those problems. Yeah. And And it's
1: teaching you to not tune in, which then doesn't allow you to really think and (laughs) listen or, 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 you know,
0: feel into that. Yeah. And it becomes this kind of downward spiral. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it's hard, too, because... I'm a real rule-based person, and that is just such a, a way that I like to control, right? Yes. And so <laughs> it's also kind of like, um, like I love the idea of you know having the categories and figuring out like, am I really getting my needs met? And then I also have to be conscious for myself that when I do that, that if I don't hit the mark for that day or for what I had hoped to happen... That the rule doesn't take over, Mm -hmm. and that the inner critic isn't turned up, because that's what will often happen for me. If like you know, I oh, I really value like for instance, I really value getting good rest, and sometimes I don't get good rest Mm -hmm. because I there's this thing called life where um, my child wakes me up, or for whatever reason, it's like I want that goal, but then it's like if I didn't get what I needed. Instead of really beating myself, oh well you didn't you didn't go to bed that twenty minutes earlier, like you said, you would like yeah. it's really also offering kindness through the process of it and not having the 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 goalpost be perfection. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. just stepping in the right direction, stepping towards self, stepping towards what we know will be good for our own individual body, and then also offering so much kindness and grace when it doesn't always work out.
0: Yeah. One thousand percent. I think the other piece I was gonna add to that is what I've noticed with myself and even sometimes with clients is when we do start tuning in for the first time, things can feel pretty bad at first. I know. Yes. <laughs> and I think it's it's not because all of a sudden we're feeling horribly. I think it's probably because our mind, body, spirit has been sending us warning signals for a long time yeah. now and we haven't been attuning to them. So maybe we start tuning in and we go, whoa, I... I'm a lot unhappier than I thought I was. I, My body is aching a lot more than I thought it was. I have way less energy than I thought I did. So I think that's something worth noting because maybe it can feel a little overwhelming. Like, it whoa, totally what is my body telling me?
1: It can totally feel overwhelming. I'm not sure. Do you ever talk on your podcast about the highly sensitive person? Have you have you gone down this road? Well,
0: we talk a lot about nervous system yeah. and chronic dysregulation and how that affects sensor. Yeah, all these yeah. different things. I um yeah, it was funny. My good friend and
1: I started going down the path of like understanding like what being a highly sensitive person meant. Mm-hmm. And once I discovered that I scored like the highest on the test, I was like, I need to reevaluate my whole life. And when I did that, I was like, Oh you were so in your mind because your body was so sensitive and it was so mm-hmm. overwhelming for you that you were shutting that down mm-hmm. so that you could be in your mind and only focus there. Yeah. So it's, I think these things are important aspects to know about ourselves, and I think that the overall, like I feel like I'm always coming back to the same thing, which sounds really silly, but it's just like, how do I keep coming home to me? Mm-hmm. How do I learn about myself? How do I understand what my body needs? How do I give myself kindness, grace, empathy through that process? Because it's it's not always linear. Mm-hmm. Um, when we do decide to uh, tune in more to our body and and change some of these lenses, the ways we look through things, uh, life can, can feel different. And that can, like you said, can be extremely overwhelming. Yeah. And so almost like trusting that process too. I know like um, – you know, like I said, even in my process of understanding toxic diet culture and understanding the business I used to run, that was painful to like have to experience all of those feelings mm-hmm. and, and understand that like, oh my gosh, I, I need to go a different direction. But Maybe
0: even a loss of community.
1: Oh, totally. Like,
0: whoa, are these people going to accept me now that I'm pivoting a different place?
1: And I think, honestly, you're you're hitting the nail on the head with something that I have really been discovering, especially lately, is that the closer you get to you – that might not be aligned with other people. Mm-hmm. And it is a tremendous loss. Mm-hmm. And it is painful. And it is scary. And um, I, I think the only thing I can say is that like I keep doing it anyway because that connection that I continue to build with the inner knowing of me
0: mm-hmm.
1: is what feels to me like true authentic power. Like that's that is where I feel the most safe Um, But sometimes I have to go through scary things to get there. And that can be really overwhelming.
0: I think this is potentially one of the subconscious things that keeps a lot of us stuck from just growth in general. We're talking about kind of fitness and movement, but in general, because I think there is a knowing for many of us that if I change and I change too much, there's going to be people who can't walk that path with me. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so worth pointing out that there can... I, I have had almost every big up level in my life has come with grief Mm. at the places I can no longer go because Mm -hmm. they aren't aligned anymore. And the people who maybe can't play as big of a role in my life because it's not aligned anymore. And it's not a, I'm better, they're worse, I'm good, they're bad. And maybe they still play a part in my life, but it's... Stepping into my authenticity and my alignment while also doing it from a place of calm and composure and grace, I think, mm-hmm. and shedding shedding some of those things. And yeah. that's
1: tricky, right? Because I know for me, what's come up too has been like frustration and anger and those are things that I was like you're not allowed to feel those things oh, right don't get me started yeah, on yeah girl yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and so um, that's also difficult to like be okay with the process being messy I'm not okay with messy processes
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to control everything
1: so um, having kindness and self-compassion through the messy process of learning how to listen to your body listen to yourself come home to you is is really challenging and it's one of the main reasons I decided when we were um, launching the product that we had to have a major pillar of community mm-hmm. because it's okay that things change. It's okay that you evolve and there is grief and there is uh, frustration and anger that sometimes can come with that sort of like this, how, how, didn't I know this before? Yeah. And uh, did I waste part of my life because I didn't know this about myself and I was doing something for somebody else? Mm-hmm. Like that can come with, with really hard feelings, but there's also other people out there who are in alignment you do have a similar ability to connect maybe wherever you are in your journey and maybe that won't last forever because we don't know where the next journey is going but I did know that I wanted to offer community where we were because I knew that people would come in and they would feel awkward about not talking about how much weight they lost they would feel like wait am I doing it right because like I've only learned how to you know work out to the max or focus on the scale and so I was like community is a huge element but I think that community with yourself is the most important. But it does help to have people around us who, who um, can support that growth. And mm-hmm. sometimes when people, people kind of fade out of our life as a result of that growth, that can be hard. But I also know that if there's time given, the universe does provide other people for, that, for those spaces to be filled.
0: Bringing it back to community with ourself, 1,000%, we, the goal is to foster safe, uplifting, inspiring relationships with the people outside of us, but I just have seen this time and time again. The thing that we are, keep telling yourself, I just wish I had a friend like this. I just wish I had a partner like this. 99% of the time, we are not doing that for ourselves, mm. And it's not to say that we shouldn't also want that from others, but when we're giving it to ourselves, the desperation piece I find gets taken away i'm not so desperate to find that in someone else or to need that from someone else because me myself and i we're good i'm a safe place i'm an uplifting place i'm a place that cares for me and and then i think it allows you to be able to really find the people who are going to do that for you authentically rather than when we're denying ourselves those things love acceptance care we're so desperate for it that maybe we get it from people who ultimately end up being kind of toxic or there's such a fear of abandonment there that we're clinging so tightly that's a yeah, whole separate conversation uh, but yeah. <laughs> I mean we talk about that
1: this a lot in our community with the idea of like just thinking about like on a simple level around the scale like this idea that like, if I get this number on the scale, I'll get the worth and validation that I've always wanted. And it's like, the reality is, is if you can give yourself the worth and validation that you've always wanted, that number will never matter. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I argue, like we, I have talked about this like idea of fake fulfillment, like you're gonna lose the weight, you might get there and then what? And then what I have discovered is people are very temporarily happy there. Mm -hmm. They always then want more or, I didn't feel as good as I thought I was. And I'm like, yeah, if you can't figure out how to feel worthy in the body that you have today, I promise you chasing a certain body and chasing a certain number are not going to offer you that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when people come into our community, they do come in for a workout. And then I'm like, surprise, we're actually going to teach you how to connect with yourself (laughs) in a deeper, more meaningful way so that we stop chasing that number. So we stop chasing that body type. Mm -hmm. So we stop chasing that, you know social media influencer that we think has the best life. Like you are responsible for your best life and it comes from the pillar of being able to connect with yourself in a deep, meaningful way. It doesn't negate community. I deeply believe in community. Mm-hmm. It's why it's 25% of the way that we do it here at WeShape. It's one of the four pillars. But um, it's this sense of, of trusting that inner self and knowing that, that person, which I think is a lifelong journey. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of like discovering that – this relationship that I'm building with me is not going to, it's not just going to like, oh, we did it. We we, right. we, we reached it. You know, it's going to go on for a long time, but it has to be the, the center stone. Mm-hmm. And then the outside community is what offers that sort of like extra, right? But it's, you're not reliant on everyone else's narrative. You're mm-hmm. relying on your own. And then you don't have to be chasing anything, yeah. right? Because you're just coming, you're just constantly coming back to you.
0: Yeah. There's two things I want to, highlight on this same topic. One of the things I wrote down is we want crystal clear guidance. We want, tell me exactly what workouts to do, when, where, what to eat, what time to eat it, how much to eat, all these different things. And it sounds like a little bit sometimes when you're telling people, no, you tell me what would feel good for you. And I think the underlying sentiment I hear there from the individual's lens is, I'm trying to achieve someone someone else's level of acceptance. Mm-hmm. When I reach this thing, I'll be accepted. I'll be worthy. I'll be validated, whatever it might be. And that's why I think a lot of us find it hard to attune to our internal compass because we're basing that compass off of, well, what is going to make you like me? Yes. And that's why I need you to tell me exactly what to do. Yeah. Or what is the world? What does the world need to like me? Great. You're the expert. Tell me what I need to do to make that happen. And so when we flip the script on that a little bit of what is going to feel good for you, we're also challenging these deep core beliefs of, oh shit, I'm not doing this for that external thing. I'm not doing this for that validation. I'm doing this for me and how I want to feel. And so then that leads us down. How do I want to feel? Yeah. What do I want to be able to do and engage in with this body? And, and then I think the tricky part of the process too, is that there is experimentation involved. What is going to get me there could be totally different than what gets you there. And it's more nuanced. It is in a way a little harder, but then at the same time a lot easier. Yes, if that makes sense, because we're it does. we're attuning to our bodies and doing what feels good for us. So when we're actually doing it, it comes with such ease and grace, and oh, we feel so good after. But it's harder because it's more nuanced. It's not someone just handing us a sheet of paper with workouts that we can kind of mindlessly do for a month, you know? No, yeah. I mean, you said
1: so many things there. <laughs> and one of the things is like, you know, we can probably all agree that at the core, all of us do want to feel safe physically, emotionally, psychologically. And to think about putting someone else's validation of us at, at in the driver's seat for our self worth, that is the opposite of safety to me. That will not provide safety, right? Because that can be ever changing. I don't have control over what that person likes or doesn't like about me. Mm-hmm. And so that that idea alone always keeps me back to okay, you gotta, you gotta care more about you. Like mm-hmm. what what because it's easy to get sucked back in to yeah. well this person thought this and this is what everyone else is doing and this is what I see on social media so I understand that is it's a push and a pull between no my internal world is what matters most yeah. um but it when I when I zoom out and I think through that lens of like if I deeply desire safety on all levels me putting that safety in that in the opinion of somebody else is is not going that that is that is not safety to me
0: right yeah well and what's quote unquote, safe for one person might be really dysregulating for me. And again, I think this is where so much of the nuance comes in. And I always try and take a very empathetic lens. If someone is sharing their perspective, their, their diet, their workouts, being able to go you know what that doesn't resonate with me but if that's what's working for you amazing yeah I love it but not needing to take it on and at the same time not needing to make it binary like if it doesn't work for me what they're doing is wrong no maybe not it just doesn't work for me yeah or it's not what's aligned for me right now
1: yeah when people come in there's lots of people come in our community who are like I'm here to lose weight and I just go okay tell me more about that why right and then when they answer that I go okay then tell me more about that why (laughs) and then they tell me okay and then tell me more about that why and usually by the fourth or fifth why they're like oh because when I was little it it kind of always goes back to that Mm -hmm. right I think for all of us as human beings I think that's that's the whole journey of being a human being is the first part of our life is we are being told what to believe Mm -hmm. and we are trusting the environment around us that that is what we are supposed to believe mm-hmm. and that doesn't always i would say most of the time there are going to be things that we're going to have to dissect as adults that go wait a minute i was taught this but this really isn't serving my my inner my inner knowing my inner self my higher my higher self so um i i'm very available for people who want to come in and start there yeah. um, what i have discovered though is that when people go through the journey of like kind of shedding that those ideas that there is this set of sort of like it's like I always laugh, like, I, don't, I can't promise people weight loss when they come in, but I could. I can pretty much guarantee if they keep showing up either to the community or keep showing up for themselves or keep, if they just keep showing up in some way, mm-hmm. they're going to shed um, an energetic layer of needing that external validation because yeah. they're surrounding themselves with a, a community of people who are like, we don't need you to be that number. We don't, we're just actually happy that you're here how you are.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, I love that because part of we shape. you're actively – disproving, I think, a lot of the limiting beliefs that we have, which is no one will accept me if I don't look this way. Yeah, this is how I get love and validation. And we all can go on our own journey of identifying and releasing and rewriting our subconscious beliefs and fears and wounds. But there's also a part of it that we need to try and also seek out the new thing. And I love that your community is saying, hey, here's proof that you can be accepted just as you are. And that's huge. You would
1: would think about most of the time when people are joining like a diet plan or an exercise plan, they go in because they want something. And it's usually an aesthetic change in their body. And not always. Sometimes people are like, oh, my shoulder hurts. I want to get out of pain. Mm -hmm. So not always. But it's usually like I want this thing to change about my body. And the reality is I don't even know if people are conscious of it. It's like – and I I don't even think it's smart on the business side, to be honest with you, that like – if people don't get that, then what? They're not welcome there anymore, right? Like it's like it's like that. That seems like my mind can't comprehend that. So I try to tell people when you come into WeShape, we're actually happy you're here day one. You don't need to change anything about yourself. You don't need to change the number on the scale. You don't have to fit into those jeans in order to be welcome yeah. here. That's actually not our goal. Mm-hmm. Our goal is for you to connect with your body in a way maybe you haven't before, and that's it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that means something different for everybody, and that's okay yeah and so like I could tell that day that that girl came on the call and was like I just you know uh, I haven't worked out in a couple weeks and I'm like okay that's wonderful that's not a problem at all Mm -hmm. you know and I think I think we just I think we get it backwards sometimes and I don't think any of us consciously do it I know I didn't I thought I was on the right path right just shame myself and get myself into this body type and everything will be fine and the truth is is that I've watched thousands of people do that in my old business and no one was really happy in the end anyway. We actually just um, had uh, one of our uh, members come out and do a podcast with us and she was talking about how she had done this other program in 2011. She lost 50 pounds in a, in I think four months and um, she said she didn't feel good at all. And yeah. she did our program and she doesn't even know if she lost weight and she's never felt better. And I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm on the right path. Like <laughs> she's like I learned how to say no. I have mm. learned how to listen to my body. I'm showing up out of self-care, not out of self-judgment. Like this is a completely new experience. I don't even care if I've lost weight or not. And I'm like, "Oh, the amount of energy and uh you know, metaphorical weight that has been yeah. lifted from your shoulders. I can see it in her. I can feel it in her." And and I had another woman who was like, I've lived 70 years of my life looking in the mirror with other people's voices in my mind, telling me that this isn't okay. You need to lose weight. This is how you're supposed to look. And I've only been here for a month and I'm like, those voices aren't there anymore. Now I know the most important voice when right. I look in the mirror.
0: Yeah. Right. And when we l- absorb those voices for so long, we do start to believe that that's our voice too.
1: oh. Uh- Oh, a hundred. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And sometimes it is confusing. Sometimes it does become our voice. But then as we go down that (sighs) releasing, revealing, rewriting, we start to go, ah, you know what? I don't want that to be my voice, even if it has been. Yeah. And, but the other piece I love though, is that you're, you're also modeling what that looks like, which I don't think a lot of us received as kids in adulthood. We're not modeled how to be graceful and empathetic with ourselves. There's so much more rhetoric and content and information out there showing us how to be critical and conditionally love ourselves. So again, like you're hitting so many different angles of it. And I really love that.
1: I mean, ultimately, I really just wanted to have a goal of like, if I provided somebody a workout product, that was rooted in what was best for the human body best for um their emotional well-being their psychological well-being their social well-being and profit was second or profit was third or whatever profit was not first Mm -hmm. what would that look like let's try offering that Mm -hmm. and the reality is we live in a culture that is profit driven that is you know predicated on capitalism and that is what it is but I knowing that and knowing the businesses that I used to run, I'm like, that's where a lot of companies are coming from in the fitness industry is from that perspective. Okay, how do we maximize revenue? Mm-hmm. And um, so when I started doing this, this, this new business, I was like, obviously I need to have revenue because I have to pay people to do all of this. Mm-hmm. But what happens if that's not the first lens we look through? What happens if we make decisions about how we show up for the, for the consumer, for the customer? Um, through the lens of what's actually best for their body and for their mind and for their social and emotional well-being. Yeah. And I think I'm just going to keep that as my North Star. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because I, I've tried it the other way and um, I was deeply unfulfilled and I could see the harm that it was causing. And I also know that like I was just doing the best that I knew how to do at the time. Yeah. And- um, I've had people from that community come over to WeShape and they're like, oh, Katie, don't be so hard on yourself. We love that old community. I said, no, I hear you. I hear you, but I, um, I'm just going to keep this my North Star now. Like what does it look like to deliver a product in a community to people um, from a new lens that's not profit first.
0: Yeah. my, I mean, I say it to myself all the time. Like, I do my best until I learn how to do better, and then yeah. I do better. And that's yeah. enough. Like, my best is enough, which yeah. has not always been the the story in my head. But I wonder, do you feel like you, if you hadn't done those companies before, would you have even been equipped to launch WeShape? No. Like, they paved the way. They you absolutely know?
1: paved the yeah. way. Yeah. Um, so I, I try also to look at my life through the lens of like, this is a journey and the things that I've experienced in my past are what are allowing me to be in this present moment. And so I try not to look back with regrets, but Mm -hmm. I do try to share that like, this was my experience and like sometimes learning hard things about ourselves and having to change behaviors can be shameful and I just want to encourage people to not get stuck in that I think that's my mm-hmm. biggest message with that is oh like my gosh, if there's yes. a way that we cannot get stuck in shame I think that's how we can continue on this path and understand like these are things that are happening for us mm-hmm. and um so yeah I I trust I've, I'm trusting the process for sure yeah it's hard but I'm definitely trying I'm trying my best to trust yeah
0: yeah to the point on shame it's just I see it time and time again especially here in my practice with clients that it's the most one of the most corrosive emotions because shame is basically us saying to ourselves I made a mistake and I'm a bad person Mm. rather than I'm a good person who made a mistake yes And when we just like make that simple shift in it, it allows for so much more grace. And like you were saying before, we can get up and keep going and make pivots where we need to rather than I'm a bad person and that leads to a whole cascade of beliefs. Bad people don't deserve good things. Bad mm. people don't deserve good friendships. And then it starts to have this really corrosive negative ripple effect on our lives. So, guys, yeah, <laughs> you are a good person who's made mistakes. You are a good person who can learn to live life better. We all are. No more shame.
1: <laughs> and like like you said, like had I not gone through those experiences, I wouldn't be able to offer what I offer today. Yeah. And um I know that what I'm offering today is something that's bigger than myself, mm-hmm. right? I know that I'm on this path for a reason, and that feeling that I get inside knowing that is better than anything I have really felt so far in my career journey. So, um, just being okay with that, sometimes accepting, accepting, and and and. Byron Katie always talks about this. I love her work. Just like loving what is. Yeah. Like that is what it was. And and loving what is. Like that's like a different level of accepting what is. Right? Uh It's not like
0: resignation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So just trusting that process can be hard. But um, I'm continuing down the path that what I feel is like, um, you know, I just, I don't even feel like I'm the one who's really, like when people come and they're like, oh, this amazing thing. I'm like, it's not really even me. Like it's. I feel kind of like held by the universe, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I, I don't I don't actually want the credit for it. I just feel like I want to I want to keep going, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And um, I just see how the universe has really showed up to make it happen. And so yeah. I'm just the person who's helping it happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like and beyond.
1: It's beyond. It's beyond Katie. It's it's, <laughs> it's something else. I
0: think that's that's how it should be ideally. Yeah. But also, I really do believe it lands differently, it resonates differently when it's coming from a place of authenticity. Mm -hmm. I just believe this on every level, which is why for me in my own business, it's so important. But I just think when we're coming from that place of authenticity ourselves,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: there is something so magnetic about that. Yeah. that people can feel and they're like, I want to be around that. So
1: I was on a podcast the other day where we were talking about this sort of the difference between like the idea around like real self-confidence and it's actually not the six-pack.
0: Abs. <laughs> oh, no. It's
1: like you shine different when you have this connection with yourself that feels real, mm-hmm. that feels authentic despite what We think other people will say. I mean, you you just people feel that energy.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, there's been a lot of times, even on in the last three years when I've been building this company with my team, where I we've all been faced with like challenging things, and I'm like, I'm gonna have to go against the grain, and it feels real bad. And and luckily, I have an incredible team Mm -hmm. at at WeShape, and everyone's like, we're we're doing it anyway, you know. So. uh, I think that that's the hardest part about staying true to yourself is it, it doesn't always align with what the outside says is the best way. And I say, you know, you got to experiment with trusting that, that inner voice and it doesn't always pan out sometimes, mm-hmm. but you know, having, having the idea, I was talking with this, uh, talking with someone about this the other day, like, um, self-trust and the belief that it's gonna all work out does not mean that it's the belief that it's gonna work out how I think it should. Yeah. And that is really, that is something I've really had to come to terms with, especially with WeShape, since we're in the middle of a funding round. Mm. Um, we have sort of exceeded what we can self fund. So we're really reliant on outside investors who are kind of like, not really familiar with this niche that I'm trying to go after. <laughs> they keep trying to put me in other, you know, fitness camps. I'm like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. Um, and so just that, just that trusting and knowing that like, I have an idea of how I think I want this to pan out, mm-hmm. but the universe is holding me and I just need to trust that it might not be exactly how I want it, but I'm here for the, here for the journey.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, and when we release, we have kind of the end goals, but when we release which path, needs to get us there. Like the universe will totally surprise you with, oh, I thought I had to go down this road. And, it, and the universe is like, no, 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 there's this other road over here. Yes. That's just as amazing. And there's so much that's going to come of it. Okay. We're running out of time. There's one thing. I mean, there's so many more things I have here, but <laughs> one of the two, okay. Two things that I really want to touch on first, bringing it back to, you were saying this woman, she wants to lose weight. You're asking her why, why, I do this all the time. I call it the why funnel. Yeah. Let's just keep asking why let's go through that funnel. Why do I want that? Okay. Why do I want that? What's that going to give me? And I think whether it's with fitness, with nutrition, with relationships, we don't realize it, but we have this subconscious script, this subconscious belief saying something like I will be happy when blank. Mm. I can't be happy until blank. And so kind of bringing it back to what you were saying earlier if we're pursuing the six-pack abs or the, you know, big tight lifted booty or whatever it is to be happy, to your point, we're probably going to get there and realize, still not that happy. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't, it can't be like contribute to happiness, but ask yourself that question. Is that kind of the rhetoric going down in the deeper subconscious of my mind? Like, I'm almost like I'm holding my breath. Until I get this thing, I can't have X, Y, or Z. And if that's the case, can we give ourselves permission and kind of expand that belief to go, I have everything I need to be happy right now. I don't need to wait until I get this, this, or this. Now, if I find happiness now and then I get the six pack, great. That can add to that. But it's not the thing that's going to give me the happiness that I'm so depleted. Yeah. Off. And I, I'm curious on your
1: take on this because I've been thinking about this a lot lately, like just even the word happiness. I'm like, life isn't always happy. Should that be the goal? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm discovering this myself, but I, I think more about like, how can I feel satisfied because you can be satisfied even when something doesn't go your way, but if we're super reliant on that that feeling of happiness, sometimes I wonder if we're going down a path that maybe doesn't all the way exist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, how can I be satisfied with like accepting what is? How can I be satisfied with the person that I am today, mm-hmm. with the body that I have today? And so I don't know why, but lately I've been shifting my own intention around that word a little bit, mm-hmm. because sometimes I think that word Reminds me of like, um, like Disney fairy tales, you know, and I think that happiness is a part of the human experience, but I think that there are other parts that if we try to continue to like, I'll do this so that I'm happy, even it's like nothing that we do will always equate that because Mm -hmm. we're not always happy. Mm -hmm. And so I I don't know about what you think about that because this is like a new discovery that I'm going (laughs) down, but I've just been questioning that word Mm -hmm. a lot lately.
0: Yeah, so I'll speak to my own experience with it too, which is kind of twofold. One, I've seen with clients and with myself, if there's a really deep desperation for happiness, it's almost always, at least some component, is that we actually have a deep well of grief Mm. that we're trying to outweigh. I see. And so that's a piece of it. Yeah. If I'm searching for happiness, and by the way, like for me, it was... It was food and so i was overspending tons and tons of money on food because food made me happy and it helped like balance out this well of grief Mm. that i was constantly trying to keep at bay yeah when i finally like figured out what that core wound was and was doing the healing work around it the cravings for all these things just like miraculously drifted away Mm. because it was like Yes, this bleeding wound is needing this attention. So I find, yeah, when there's a deep need for happiness, there's oftentimes a lot of repressed grief mm. that we need to look at in yeah. the process. Yeah. To that point, when I was kind of stuck in that pattern, it was about happiness. Oh, if I could go on these trips and make this amount of money, that will make me feel happy. And the craziest thing is, and I said this in the solo episode a few months back, last year was the worst year of my life. Mm. I came to terms with being sexually abused by my father. I so many horrible things and yet I have never had more joy and contentment. Mm. And I and so for me like joy and contentment I think are kind of like what you're communicating like, too. Yeah. Where I could wake up like because this grief and this anger and this fear and this panic was like finally leaving my body, I could wake up and look at the life as it is currently and be like, I fucking love this life. Mm. And it doesn't mean that I can't push for more and to create more of that. But there was just like this level of contentment and joy and peace and safety that I was able to get without having to change a single thing. Mm. Whereas before the rhetoric was like, whatever it is, whether I'm looking for joy, peace, safety, this, that, this, it was like, it's always elusive. Yeah. Whereas now being able to realize nothing needs to change really. I, I have all those things right now. And I'm just really in search of, not in search of, but I'm trying to foster more joy, more peace, more alignment Mm. as I continue to know myself and what do those things look like? What boundaries do I need to put in place? All these different things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really fascinating to kind of like ask the question, like, why am I looking for this level of happiness? And then correlate that to what you're saying, like, ooh, that's likely trying to, there's likely something else that's happening here. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. The second thing I want to touch on really quickly, we still got a few minutes left. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm going to milk our time for all we can, is I think one of the things, and I've seen this, again, I think so many of the topics we're talking about here related to fitness can cross over onto so many other areas of life. But one of the things I want to talk about is this rhetoric or this kind of, it's like implicitly communicated that we use fitness as a dogma. It becomes a religion. It becomes a set of rules that we get to control and manipulate and manage every little detail of. And there's a couple of things I want to say here. One, just that that we might be using it as a form of control to sue the really dysregulated system. So that's one piece. But I think the other key thing here is when there's kind of this dogma and this morality attached to our workout routine and how hard we're killing ourselves and what we are or are not eating, then, but we're not also communicating, hey, (laughs) health is multifaceted. If you're not losing weight or if you have chronic fatigue, there could be any number of things going on and I think that's a huge thing missing from most traditional fitness health rhetoric is that it's multifaceted. And then when it also has this kind of moral label attached to it, if someone's killing themselves and they're not losing the weight, they feel like a failure or they feel like, oh, I need to be doing more. Or if they're completely fatigued and depleted and they don't do the hard workout, they feel like they're lazy. And that, I think, can contribute to that shame, contribute to that corrosiveness of the industry as a whole.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, looking through the lens I mean there's two different lenses that they always come together and it's around you know food and exercise and um, you know if we're looking through that lens and it's just smothered in judgment good bad right wrong it, we're likely not connecting with ourselves in a meaningful authentic way mm-hmm. and so I think just asking yourself like what is my relationship with food am I sitting in judgment all day over the things I'm putting in my body mm-hmm. am I labeling things good bad healthy not healthy toxic you know am I am I am I exercising as a form of like connecting with myself or I'm beating myself up when I'm not pushing hard enough it's mm-hmm. like I think just it's 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 very layered and it's complicated but I think it's important to discuss the idea that like you're not a good or bad person based on what you eat or how you exercise right (laughs) we've kind of gone astray Uh right I feel like we've taken this potentially beautiful experience with movement and the body and connection with self and we have we have put it in a package to sell it to people that is rooted in judgment and criticism and shame Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh my gosh, we got to go back. The beautiful experience is still available for us Mm -hmm. and same with food. Like food, what a place of community for food, right? Mm -hmm. What a place of joy and pleasure and we have taken that and we have wrapped it and sold it in a package that's eat this so that you can be healthier, do this so that you can get the, you know, this toxic, you know, thing out of your body. It's like, it makes me a little bit crazy yeah. to think that we've taken these beautiful expressions of what the human body can connect with and we've tried to sell it as something else. And it's usually selling to a part of you that will make you feel bad so that you buy it.
0: Right. Yep.
1: Yep. So there is an opportunity to have a beautiful connection with movement, with your body, with yourself. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's an equally beautiful opportunity to connect with food and community and the things that we put in our bodies and um, it doesn't have to be the way that it is We, we can we can make a decision to not participate that at any point yeah i really hope that you know we have the four pillars of we shape which are centered around movement um community beliefs and intention and oftentimes people come into our community with the mindset i should work out so that's why i'm here and my hope is once they've gone on a journey with us they'll they'll go through the pillars and they'll end with intention and the intention will shift from i should be here to, because I need to work out to, I am here because I'm learning how to deeper, deepen the connection with myself. Mm -hmm. And that inner knowing is so powerful and I'm going to continue to try to connect Mm -hmm. with it. And coming from that intention is completely different than I should do a workout.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 1000%. 1000%. And the underlying sentiment of that is I love myself. I'm worthy as I am. I'm here to get better rather than I should is kind of an underlying sentiment of, there's an expectation I'm not meeting and until I meet it, I'm not enough, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I could keep you here all night. We'll reel it in, though. I think that's a really beautiful place to end. Can you just share, though, a little bit where people can find you and what your handles are, those kinds of things? Yes.
1: So our social media handles, we have two. We have at WeShape. That's all movement-based content. And then we have at WeShape podcast, where we talk a lot more about some of the things we're talking about here. actually have a link uh, for your listeners if they want to do a two-week free podcast Free trial with WeShape. It's weShape.com backslash a crescent.
0: Okay, perfect. For the audience, I know no one knows how to spell a crescent, so it'll be linked in the show notes too. <laughs> That's my fault. But Katie, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. I think this is going to be a really, really expansive conversation for people.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure to be here.